Michelle. And I'm Lucy. Welcome to another Cameo episode. These short episodes will be slotted in between the other ones and will cover people who made a fleeting yet tantalizing appearance in other episodes. We don't always have a lot of information about them, so they can't have a full episode of their own, but they are too interesting to abandon completely and they fill in the gaps and enable us to create as full a picture of the era as we can. And today... Sir Ralph Oolingham. Yes, we first heard about him in the Margaret Beaufort episode. I think he's been in, he's been mentioned in virtually all of them. Yes, I, was I to think, think so. of any that he hasn't been mentioned. In. <laughs> yeah, he. I mean, he knows, needs no introduction. We've had quite a few emails asking when we're going to get round to him. Yes, but we haven't got round to him yet. But now today's the day. Yes, finally. lots of mentions, but not a lot of detail about him, which is why we're in a cameo episode, even though he's famous. Mm. It's odd yeah. that he only ended up with enough information for a cameo episode. Well, I'm glad you say he's famous because I was a bit worried that he was England only. Because, I mean, obviously in England, we learn about him from primary school on. Well, but obviously Canada, the same. Yes. Well, because he was part of the people that initially populated North America, even though he was British and being on some of the Spanish ships. As you say, it's he's just everywhere. There must be lost tribes in the Amazon who've heard of this man. <laughs> Because <laughs> I can remember at school colouring pictures of him dressed up for the joust with his shield with his puffin rampant on it. So. Yes, which I always <laughs> thought was funny because you lose your lance in a joust. It's supposed to break. They're designed to break so that you don't actually kill your oppon- opponent. And puffins mm. lose their beaks every year. Yeah. Oh, I wonder if that's what that was. That's a bit defeatist, isn't yes, it? Yes, it is. <laughs> Well, on film, he's been played by Sir Laurence Olivier, Russell Crowe and Will Ferrell, to name but a few. Yes, which was a very odd movie. The last was, yes. Yeah. He didn't, he didn't give, have the gravitas, I don't think, no. to do this man justice. And it's thought that the character of Falstaff might have been based on him. Oh, I didn't know that. As well as Prospero. Oh. And indeed, Ophelia. So, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I'm laughing at my cat trying to take my tea. I have cream in my tea and I'm just seeing the little paw come out. No, my tea. Sir Ralph was born in 15... No, he wasn't. Sir Ralph was born in 1451. His father, you remember, the romantically called Sir Tristram, Ullingham, was the one who was crushed by his own horse. Ooh, yes. And strangely enough, this accident occurred in his bedroom, so no one's conclusively explained how that came about. No, uh, I keep trying to figure out how you're going to get him up and down the stairs. Like, How do you get a horse to go backwards down the stairs when they can't turn around at the top? I don't know. Perhaps they threw him out the window. I don't know. His mother was a renowned beauty, but was said to be so haughty that she wouldn't talk to anyone of a lower rank than her, which, since she married beneath her, meant that she never uttered a word to her husband in all the time they knew each other. Or any of her servants, which is why the house fell apart. Yes. (laughs) It didn't stop them having 14 children, though, of whom Sir Ralph was the youngest. Oh, gosh. Can you imagine 14 children in 12 years? Sadly, all the all his older siblings died, although not through the usual childhood diseases. Rather, they all suffered accidents, and some of them were so unfortunate as to be really quite baffling. Why was young William playing so near the cesspit? And how did young Francis end up choking on his own aglets? And what were the circumstances that led young Cecily to being bricked up in the pantry? It was said to be a party game that went horribly wrong, but I guess I guess we'll never know. No. So the upshot of these tragic events was that Ralph inherited the title from his father. Yeah. So that was handy. 
And not suspicious at, at all. all. No, starts making you think of our Mehmed Patreon episode. Tudoriferous Patreon, covered in thick, creamy milk chocolate. Yes. Well, they have to get rid of their brothers, but not the sisters. Like the cuckoo. Mm-hmm. Mm. We've seen many cases of people who did well under Edward IV and Richard III and so suffered under Henry VII. Yes. Sir Ralph didn't do particularly well under Edward or Richard and so a bright new future was open to him under Henry. But unfortunately, he didn't do very well under Henry either. Yeah, but I'm not sure why. Did you find any reason why? I just think Henry didn't like him. (laughs) That makes it easy. He wasn't a Lancastrian. Or a Yorkist. He tried a third way and became a Devonite. Oh, no. But it didn't catch on and he appears to have been the only member. Oh, no. He was at the battles of Bloorheath, Towton and Barnet. But he was off to one side leading the Devonites. And since the Yorkists and Lancastrians were fighting each other and had never heard of the Devonites and hadn't even noticed he was there, he fortunately survived right the way through the War of the Roses. Oh, of course he did. I wonder if he went after Will and Mills. Oh, yes. <laughs> He went on the French invasion with Henry, that time when Henry got that nice little windfall from the Treaty of Etape. Yes. But sadly, Sir Ralph got left behind when everybody went home. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. It took him two and a half years to get back, because the main problem being that he didn't know his north from his south. Oh, dear. And so he ended up in Mozambique, and he's thought to be the first Englishman to go there, and the only Englishman in many centuries to be, to find himself there. Oh, jeez. And he had some adventures during that time, as everyone will know if they saw the film Rolf! Exclamation mark. I need only mention the saga of the warming pan. All that business with the forged seal that nearly led to him being, being had up for treason. Yes. And then there was that incident with his niece that I think we might draw a veil over, being, with it being a family show and all. But it always seems to be some sort of weird accident that gets him out of things. Oh, he was, yeah, stupendously lucky in some ways. Yes. Well, for a start, on his way home, he stopped in Denmark, where he spent many happy months with the King of Denmark. And not many people can say that. No, and I wish he'd at least asked about the ships. Well, he did. He provided him with a fleet to take him on his last leg of his voyage. But by some misunderstanding, Sir Rolf ended up in Flanders. (laughs) Of course he did. Where he spent some time with Auntie Margaret. (laughs) But then he must have (laughs) blotted his copybook with Auntie Margaret because she sent him home with a note for Henry saying, please take this man home. We've got to draw the line somewhere. So he was dispatched. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) He had 27 and a half illegitimate children, but he'd had no legitimate ones. Oh, my goodness. And that was because his wife, Mary, took one look at him and took a vow of chastity. Oh, we've heard that before, Margaret (laughs) Borford. No, I'm not touching you. He never saw her again. And recent painstaking research by a, a, uh, an academic called V.P. MacDonald has shown that she was living with a saddle maker in Chiswick, the vow of chastity entirely forgotten. Of course. Poor Sir Ralph. I hope he never found out. Oh, man. I wonder if he would have wore... <laughs> if he wore a bag on his head, would she have been interested? <laughs> <laughs> well, like David Soule used to do, but that was because he was so beautiful. So he used to, when he was a singer, he used to put a bag on his head so people wouldn't be distracted by his good oh, looks. Oh, dear. <laughs> 
Ah, oh, bless him. Sir Ralph lived for a while at Great Scamming in Leicestershire, but that burnt down in 1476. He then moved to one of his estates in Fakenham in Norfolk, but that burnt down in 1483. He then moved to his estate on the coast, Castle Contric, but due to coastal erosion, that fell into the sea in 1487. Oh my goodness. When we say he's lucky... He's not. not really very lucky. No. <laughs> the fires were suspected to be linked to his love of alchemy. Uh, and he was considered to be a very successful alchemist. Except for the fires. <laughs> <laughs> except for the fires, and he never actually succeeded in making any gold, but he came up with some very fine lead. And Sir Ralph and his relations wore lead jewellery, they ate off lead plates, and drank from lead goblin goblets. Goblins is better. <laughs> <laughs> but they were not a very long-lived family. No. An offshoot of his alchemical endeavours, Sir Ralph became famous for the invention of a game. And he and his family used to throw the lead plates to one another and try and catch them. And they would sort of spin them horizontally, if you can imagine such a thing. Well, this game didn't catch on as much as Sir Ralph would have liked, since, as his family portraits demonstrate, most of his children were missing their front teeth. <laughs> oh, no! <laughs> and in fact, this game didn't take on until the 20th century with the invention of plastic made it less lethal. Yeah, good point. He was a great one for practical jokes, apparently, and was renowned for his humorous japes. On one infamous occasion, he lured his best friend into the stables on the pretext of showing him a particularly fine horse he'd just purchased. Then he locked him in and didn't let him out for four and a half years. And once he was released, the poor man was so traumatised that he had to be cared for by his daughter and actually died the following year. Oh, dear. That's, yes. not, that's not a great practical joke. I thought you were going to say he was going to show him a very fine horse and it turned out to be a chicken. I don't think Tudor humour travels well, does no, it? No, no, it really doesn't. Yeah. And on another occasion, one of Sir Ralph's practical jokes led to the accidental suffocation of his son Barnaby. Oh. So, but, yeah, as you say, he was thought to be hilariously funny in his day. So, yes. just as many many of the comedians of the 1970s aren't particularly funny anymore. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You watch people watch old movies or shows now and just the new woke generation is like, oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> You're allowed, to, you're allowed to say that? You can't say that. Why is this abuse funny? Yes. Well, that seems to be the case with the Tudors, I think. Yes, very much but so. But more so. Well, we now get the incident for which he's most famous, and I'm, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. Yes. And this has been depicted in several famous paintings. I've sent you the images, so... Oh, yes. Let me pull them up. Okay. The first one is unsigned. You can see the ruined castle in the background, and on the left, yes. you can just about make out that all the trees have fallen over. And Sir Ralph stands in the foreground, clutching his dog and weeping. Oh, yeah, that went... How... How did you manage to keep the trees almost perpendicular? <laughs> I don't know how those root systems hold them that way. And that poor yes. dog looks like it's excited rather than sad. Yes, it's not the best painting, really, is it? No, not um, at all. No, I think they've missed out. Missed, missed. <laughs> it has a sort of naive quality. Yes. Not quite nice, but naive. And the next one is a beautifully atmospheric painting by Caravaggio, obviously done a bit later. And it's lit by a single candle. And for some reason, Sir Ralph is naked, but, you know, that's Caravaggio for you. Yeah. And you can just make out that scar. And I think we all know how he got that. And yes. But we don't... 
I'm surprised you put it in there, though, because I thought people were supposed to sort of smooth out the deformities, and that leg just, yeah. Yes. I, I, I don't think we'll discuss how it how it came about because we don't want to put proviso on all of all of our episodes. No, but now that you can see it, like zoom in, you see faces in the dark. Yeah. Well, I was going to say. With regards to the scar, the the uh, lady in question is shown at the back looking over her shoulder as she climbs out of the window. Oh, that's so what that's that is. what you can see. Oh, yeah. Caravaggio is a very dark, twisted painter. Yes, <laughs> he was. He was. He was accused of murder at one point. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sir Ralph was always a disappointed man. He had long treasured the desire to become the Earl of Penge. But Henry was reluctant to give him the title, pointing out that there was no earldom of Penge, and would you rather have Chester instead? But for for Ralph, it was Penge or nothing, so nothing it was. Nothing it was. Yeah. Again, we're Edmund de la Pole. I'm focused on one thing and never going to get it. No. No. And we know from his letters, and some of them were to the Pastons, so we've got quite a few of his letters. Yes. That... Yeah, it really was an obsession with him. It's pinch, pinch, pinch. Yes, <laughs> but the pastors were encouraging him to go for it. They were positive mm. that they would get something out of it, I think. That's what oh, it comes across. found as. it hilariously funny. Than that just, too. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Sir Ralph died quietly in his bed of murder, apparently. Yeah, he was suffocated, wasn't he, with his own pillow? Quietly suffocated, though, yes. yes. He was a great sleeper by that time, but his servant only noticed he was dead three weeks later. Yeah. And that was largely um, because the bodily juices were sort of dripping through the strict sheets. It's Ugh. not a very nice story. Uh, no. He's buried with his favourite dog at his feet. Too bad the dog was still alive. Well, it had to be drugged, apparently, because it kept trying to climb out of the coffin. Yeah. I must admit, I quite liked Sir Ralph up until that point. Yes, the Tudors are disgusting with how they treat their animals. Yeah. For a while, miracles were said to occur near his tomb. I still don't some, believe that story. Something of a shrine. Well, yeah, it's the sighted became blind and the perfectly healthy hobbled out of the church on crutches. So eventually pilgrims were discouraged from approaching the tomb for fear of their own safety. Yes, but still, <laughs> I think they were just, you know, he was buried a little bit deep and then the ground sunk and people were falling in. I think that's why they were hobbling out of cr with crutches. Probably, yes. Yeah, it was probably that poor dog scrabbling to get out. Oh, dear. Well, if we were doing rankings for him, I think we'd agree that his B-team score would be off the scale. Yeah, because everybody knows about him, even though we don't have that much documentation for stuff like why he was yes. hauled into court that one time. And we know he was there, yeah. we've got his testimony, but we don't actually have the records of what he was accused of. Mm. He was very keen to plead guilty, even though everybody seemed to think he hadn't done it. Yeah, it was a very strange situation. Bit of an attention seeker, I thought. I think so too. <laughs> well, we say everybody knows about him, but how much of what they think they know is apocryphal because there are a lot of stories built up around him and there were legends and ballads. Yes, and the fact that people tried to change him into a saint after he passed away. Mm, which quite obviously he wasn't. No, no. All those, oh, all those horrific things he did when he was running through France. Oh, God, yeah. Oof. Definitely not a saint. Yeah, I mean, we've come across a lot of really nasty stuff, but that just left me, I don't know, I just thought, Yeah. Ralph, what are you doing? Yes. 
But he has left so much behind. A brief tour of London will take you to the Oolingham Hall. Yes. The Church of the Sacred Oolinghams and the Oolingham Municipal Skateboard Park. So, you know, there's Oolinghams everywhere. Yeah. And it is nice. I don't think this has happened before that we're putting this episode out on Sir Ralph's birthday. April yes, the 1st. April 1st. Yeah. yeah, so happy birthday, Sir Ralph. Yes. You nasty, nasty man. Yeah. <laughs> It, oh, wait, he's a saint. Shouldn't we be celebrating the day of his death instead of his birth? Oh, it's too late now. Yeah. Done it. Oh, well. Sorry, we got that one wrong. <laughs> Hopefully Pontifax will forgive us. Yes, well, they might cover him if he if he did attain saintly status, but I don't think he ever I don't happened. think he did. No. He got to the point where it was before a saint. What is that called? You become um, something before a saint. Confessor. Confessor, yes. Thank you. Yes. But then I think they looked at his track records and thought, what are we doing? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> we've, we've canonized some dodgy people. This is this is scraping the bottom of the barrel. Yes. So we hope we've answered some of the questions that people asked in their emails. And you know, if you've got any more information about him that we haven't covered. Yes, if anybody does speak Danish, so we can get the records from the court of Denmark to actually find out how he managed to get the ships, that would be lovely. Yes, yes. Wow. I mean, he deserves sainthood just for that, surely. Yes. (laughs) So thank you for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed it. And we'll see you next time. Goodbye. Goodbye.